0: Welcome to Artificially Intelligent Marketing, a weekly podcast where we stay on top of the latest trends, tips, and tools in the world of marketing AI, helping you get the best results from your marketing efforts. Now let's join our hosts, Paul Avery and Martin Broadhurst. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Artificially Intelligent Marketing, a podcast where we talk about all things AI and marketing for marketers across the world so that they can leverage AI tools to get the most out of their work. This is episode eight and I'm back today with my very good friend Martin Broad- Broadhurst. Martin, I have missed your faith.
1: Well, here it is. Take it in. Admire it in all its glory. Yeah, it's been a long time. Two whole <laughs>
0: weeks. That was quite the diary clash for both of us, wasn't it? It was a bit, but we're back. So the the inane banter that um, hopefully at least 5 to 10% of listeners enjoy is back today. But also, I've missed your AI insights, Martin, so I'm going to be glad to hear those Before two. we get into any of
1: that, I do want to hear about the Caribbean. How was it?
0: Be yeah, beautiful. Um, I don't know if you've ever been, but sitting on a beach, drinking a pina colada, uh, reading the latest news on AI is the best way to read the latest news on AI. And I have to admit... Uh, I did listen to some Lex Friedman podcasts on the beach. So I was still nerding out on all this stuff, Um, but I was doing it in the sun and I was doing it with a nice drink in my hand. Well,
1: that sounds lovely because I was doing it in the British drizzle.
0: (laughs) Bit of drizzle. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that. And we won't even talk about Derby County this week. We're outside Um, the
1: playoffs. It's an absolute travesty. We absolutely won't talk about it because it would just make me weep.
0: We can't have you weeping. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. So this week's stories that we're going to cover, we are going to look at um, Stability AI launching their new open-source large-language model to rival the chat GPTs and GPT-4s of the world. Google announces its project Magi, 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 Magi. Magi, Yeah. What does this mean it means changes to google search are coming and we'll talk about that adobe has teased its ai driven video editing tools powered by natural language instructions which um the demo video for that looks rather cool so we can talk about that um there was an economist article this week proposing an international agency to oversee ai and we've previously talked on the podcast about the challenges of trying to slow ai development down um when there's so many different competing issues around companies competing with each other geography you know ge- geographical political issues there as well so that's going to be an interesting one uh, Atlassian has infused AI into all of its products So if you're a Jira user or a Confluence user you can now uh, tap into AI powered tools which we'll talk about and then we'll also talk a little bit about Snapchat's AI chatbot which has perhaps gone as viral and if not more viral than some of the other chatbot style tools that have appeared since ChatGPT came out at the end of last year. We are also going to have a lovely tool of the week this week where we're going to look at Anthropics Claude model and go into a bit more detail on that. Right, let's get stuck in. Let's look first of all then at Stability AI launching its open source LLM model called StableLM to compete with the open AIs and anthropics of the world. So this is seeing Stability AI get into the large language model game. Um, If the name is familiar, it probably should be because they've already released quite a few well-known models for different uses, perhaps the most famous of which is Stable Diffusion, which you can use for image generation. Um, Martin and I were talking about this a little bit before we got on uh, on the recording here in terms of what it means to have open source models versus um more closed models like gpt4 um, we'll dive into that in a bit more detail later but with stable diffusion you can access the underlying model remove some of the guardrails from it and do some cool stuff with it that you want to do and so the, i guess the inference here is that that's going to be possible with stable lm but as TechCrunch said this week The number of open source text generating models grows practically by the day as companies large and small vie for visibility in the increasingly lucrative generative AI space. So this is, why is this important? It's kind of like, oh, and another one. Um, But I think some quotes in the blog post from Stability AI are a little bit telling where they say, we open source our models to promote transparency and foster trust. Researchers can look under the hood to verify performance, work on interpretability techniques, identify potential risks, and help develop safeguards. They also say open fine-grained access to our models allows the broad research and academic community to develop these techniques beyond what is possible with closed models. So perhaps there, Martin, a little dig in the ribs to the OpenAI team, whose name is OpenAI, but have been criticized recently, especially with the release of GPT-4, for how little information they've shared about how the model was built and trained. Um, I think they've given some very good reasons in terms of, I I know there's commercial reasons for that, but I think there's also some potential safety reasons for that, Um, but it, it does feel a little bit like Stability AI are saying, hey, this is what OpenAI actually looks like, OpenAI. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and it's
1: that's their whole model is that open source. There's a real commitment to it. You see actually a lot of uh, engagement from the Stability AI research team and all the developers on Hugging Face, which is committed to open source AI ML projects. So yeah, it's nice to see that there is a company committing to it. I think the... Open source model for LLMs. That space is going to get quite interesting because you've also got uh, Bloom as a large language model, kind of on the horizon. That's an open source model as well. Um, so yeah, it's exciting to see what we, we can do with this. I think the the ability for yes for researchers to get under the hood, but also commercial operators to start shaping these models um, in the way that they want is also going to be quite interesting that said how many people are going to do that in the when you've got systems like gpt4 which is so incredibly capable it just it it's a bigger more capable model and is likely to prove to be a bigger more capable model than the the top level uh stability llm when that comes out, I think it's 175, 180 billion parameter model that they're talking about releasing uh, down the line. So we know that GPT-4 is bigger than that. Uh, When OpenAI is making customization of GPT-4, no, I was going to say so easy, that's definitely not the the case, but you know, there is vector embeddings, there is fine tuning available with that through the API. how many organisations just need that capability rather than having a model that actually you can pull to pieces in a kind of open source way? I say pull to pieces—that's probably wildly exaggerating it, but you, you you understand the point.
0: Yeah, I I get what you're saying, and I think that leads on to the question. Then why is this important for marketers, and what do they need to know? And fundamentally, open source element uh, large language models are more castable customizable because they're open source and so that for developers of products will give them the capacity to potentially build on top of this and customize the model in different ways i guess for companies with the necessary resources they may even consider that they want to create an llm of their own off the back of something like this and to be fair some of the other open source models like llama and alpaca and gpt for all and so stability ai is maybe a little late to the game here um, but all of those are, are options for people who want to train their own model on their own data. The um, the other thing with these open source models is you can run them on your computer, um, albeit in most cases very slowly, which might make it easier for you people to use these models securely by not, in effect, having to use cloud-based resources. And I think even for some organizations, they're pro- prohibited from using cloud-based llms like ChatGPT, because you have to give data over to another organization whereas if you can run an open-source llm on your own computer and you're effectively running a local chatbot style version um you can obviously be much more confident that the information is safely stored on on your computer but um yeah what about these models without guardrails as well we were talking a bit about that martin because obviously there has been some criticism of Chat GPT and GPT-4 in terms of when it will refuse to do things or if it will say, oh, you know, just before we get into this, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer and all these other caveats that it slips in, which I completely understand. But I do think there are people out there who have the feeling that as responsible adults, they want to be trusted to interact with the tool and use their own good judgment. <laughs> Whether that is good or not, I'm not really in a position to say, but you were talking about some of how some of these models have been used without guardrails and and how open sourcing allows you to explore the fringes
1: yeah so you can see this with uh, the other stable or stability ai model that many of us will be more familiar with stable diffusion stable diffusion the text to image uh, image generator has been open sourced and the open source community does like to hack things to pieces and and create things and build upon existing models and what have you and existing tools and make them their own. Just need to look at the Linux community and all the different flavors of of Linux that exist in the world. Stable Diffusion is a great example of this where people have really fine-tuned the models to to get some really impressive results. There's a website that I use, a service called Super Machine. Uh, You can go to supermachine.art and they've taken a whole bunch of different uh, use cases for stable diffusion and fine-tuned it. So I'm just looking at a list of the options here. You've got um, Super Machine Coloring Book, which will create coloring book pictures, line drawings that look like they're great for coloring books. Um, You've got Double Exposure, uh, Low Poly optimized versions, Portrait Plus, which is optimized for creating portraits of of people. What's the other one that I was just looking at? Oh yeah, wooler ties, which is a model where um, all of the pictures look like whatever you ask for. We'll, we'll create it as if it's like knitted models. Everything's, Everything's made, of, made of wool. Yeah. Um, but to take that to the extreme, you think talk about the um, the guardrails coming off. Most of these models don't allow you to to create nudes or any kind of erotic imagery and things like that but there is actually a website nudes.ai and i would heavily suggest that this is an not safe for work website so don't fire up nudes.ai on your your laptop going oh yeah martin just suggested this website um
0: Uh, to be clear this i'd never heard of it but martin knew a lot about it yeah um (laughs) (laughs) He didn't, which is just an example that came up of what it looks like when you play with these models at the fringes, Definitely don't so not speak.
1: And haven't absolutely rattled through and had to explain some awkward credit card purchases. <laughs> or oh, at least credits, Martin, said my wife. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't actually in all seriousness. But uh, to be fair, you don't really need to. You just go on the homepage and you, just, and you get a very explicit view of exactly what nude.ai is capable of. And that, I believe that is a tuned model using stable diffusion. I may be wrong on that, on the actual underlying model, but I'm pretty sure it's stable diffusion. Um,
0: so that also flags the challenges of launching these open source models, right? that the, You basically are going to put that out there, and there's going to be a percentage of people who lean into certain applications that could be way worse than what you just described 100% yeah right Um, that's a concern Um, and I think this is where the whole open or closed debate really rages for me is on those fringes because I think it's it's all well and good for and this is just my personal opinion for um, Stability AI to have this commitment to openness but what are people going to do with it? And I just, I don't know if you can trust the 1% to not, to not, you know, do things that perhaps m- the 99% wish they had. To be honest, you categorically cannot trust.
1: the one. If people can do it, they will do it. They will push it. There will be someone that will push it to the limits.
0: I guess that's what I'm trying to say, Martin, is that, yeah, there'll always be someone. Yeah. Um, I guess the stability AI is saying it's not, up to us to say what people can and can't do which i guess in free democracies is kind of a key component of that but at the same time yeah probably outside the realms of this podcast for us to go into too much depth into that but um yeah that stability ai and their llm and the balance of having a bit more flexibility with open source models but some of the risks of open sourced if anyone is
1: interested uh, in that just keep an eye out there drip feeding the The models, as as we speak, they're doing the smaller parameter models. So I think they've released an 8 billion parameter model at the moment. Uh, and over the coming weeks and months, they'll be releasing the larger models over time.
0: Good stuff. Let's move on to Google AI developments and this announcement of this word that I can't say mine. So why don't you tell us what the next story is? So this is part of a
1: wider piece from google they have two big announcements on oh, actually only one of them's really an announcement the other one is just kind of speculation i guess at this point um so the thing that you were talking about project magi magi uh, it's one of those two i suspect someone's going to write in and tell us that we've got it wrong in both of those instances there But Project Magi, uh, according to the New York Times, Google has 160 engineers working on this project. And basically, it is the deeper integration of AI into search. So this is Google going, holy mackerel, we need to respond to ChatGPT and ChatGPT plugins and all of that kind of good stuff. And it's expected that there's going to be something more akin to a Google Bard the the chat interface coming into search where we'll have less reliance of you know the kind of classic search engine results page with 10 organic listings and a bunch of other features like featured snippets and that will be in there but it's going to be much more uh, chat oriented we can ask follow-up questions um, but also there's some interesting capabilities that are being talked about such as the ability to execute transactions so you'll actually be able to make purchases through this new system now at the moment it's all speculation so there isn't a huge amount of of confirmed detail other than the new york times which going to assume is fairly reliable um says that there is a resource of 160 people working on implementing this now i said this is one of two developments Regarding Google and AI. And the other one was an announcement yesterday. Um, so, uh, Google and DeepMind, so the Google Brain team, which was the AI research lab of Google, and DeepMind, which is the uh, UK based AI research lab owned by Google's parent company, Alphabet, uh, they are becoming one. Uh, in and they are now going to be Google DeepMind. And the idea is that they will be uh developing more advanced and versatile AIs. One of the areas that DeepMind has been focused on over the years is more scientific applications. So if you've been following the kind of protein folding, which I'm guessing you've seen a couple of articles about in your time, Paul. Love a bit of protein folding, me. DeepMind has done a huge amount of work in in that area and and they're very much um, interested in the, the the science capabilities. If you watched AlphaGo, a Netflix documentary about the the AI model that basically dominated the the game of Go, and that was all a DeepMind project as well. Uh, the idea being that bringing these two units together, Google Brain and and DeepMind, you're just going to have um, economies of scale, and you're going to have the best people working on the best kit um which is ultimately going to enable better collaboration and better speed of production and better outputs ultimately uh it, in the announcement um on the deepmind blog they said that there's going to be a new scientific board um in charge of oversight as well and it's which doesn't come as a huge surprise deepmind at one stage was um there's been concerns about deepmind or within deepmind about AI and how Google may or may not use it. Certainly Uh, there was reports of being concerned about Google's work with organizations in, like the military kind of hard weapon based companies and things like that. So I would imagine that this new scientific oversight board and there'll be, there'll be some compromises made all around. I'm sure, but ultimately I I suspect that this was a decision that was uh, more or less forced upon
0: DeepMind
1: because I don't know that they, they came willingly.
0: Ooh, yeah, I mean, a couple of things, I think we'll get to in a moment what this means for marketers, but there's enough there in both those stories, like Google is deeply unsettled, right? uh, like they are smashing together teams that may not want to be smashed together by the sounds of things. They There was a news item, I can't remember if it, if it was this week or last week, where there was a rumor that Samsung... Would be pulling their deal with Google, which they use on um, on all their phones, and replacing it with Bing. And it was like a $3 billion deal or something crazy. Um, that again was prompting. Did you see what that did to the market cap? What happened? Was there a drop? It was about a $60 billion drop. So, you know, this is. G- Google is struggling a little bit, would be the inference from some of this stuff. In terms of what it means for marketers per se, looking at um, Magi, I think, getting closer, maybe I'm getting closer. Um, you know, What would this mean for marketers? I've read online that it's gonna bring additional features to search, but the, but the Google ads are still gonna be a thing. So advertising is still gonna be part of our search or re- search results page. Obviously you mentioned the direct buy, there's i assume going to be some sort of mechanism by which the person selling the thing obviously still gets the cash but that google will get a share of that by enabling that and therefore as an e-commerce marketer or um, some other marketer that's maybe delivering um, information products or other things where that might be a good way for you to generate revenue but again is that now an extra cost for you in terms of is that going to be more than you stand a google ad because now we're not just talking about a click, right we're talking about a conversion where someone spends money and therefore would Google expect to take a a bigger share of that than they have been with clicks? How fast is this going to happen would be a key question as well. And I've, I saw an article in search engine journal that suggests that Google's going to introduce this to 1 million users initially, and that that will grow to 30 million users by the end of the year. And it will be accessible only in the U S to begin with. So certainly... It's not, it's going to be a phased rollout, um, and it's not going to totally disrupt how we all use search to begin with. Um, but yes, if you're using, if you're doing search engine optimization, if you're using Google ads, this is going to have an impact on that ecosystem one assumes, right?
1: Yeah. The search engine optimization things really interesting. When all of the transaction can happen within the search engine, that changes the game entirely that's going to make amazon sit up and listen as well that's they are they are going to be watching um closely uh, that's going to be taking away traffic to them for sure um so this is this potentially is very disruptive um not just for uh, vendors but for other marketplaces as well you know what does this mean for the likes of of shopify you know um is it going to be taking away traffic for them will they actually just integrate deeply into this and make it so easy for for their customers to sell via whatever google's new search transaction interface looks like um that people actually stick with shopify and and it all works beautifully i don't know suffice to say that if you're in e-commerce um pay attention to to these upcoming changes the adwords thing's very interesting as well isn't it they this is a this is google's cash cow right google makes what is it something like 200 odd billion a year in adwords uh, through adwords so they can't take away that they can't cannibalize that so it has to feature um and and how they integrate that into the product as we discussed before um this the, the ai revolution that we're seeing at the moment is really a question about UI and in user interfaces and just looking at, at the way that people are engaging with these new uh these new pieces of tech we've just talked about um that search but actually and we'll come on to it in a minute with with Snapchat uh, these avatars are changing the way people interface with with computers. So the whole thing is kind of for grabs at the minute and anything that we knew as well anything that we maybe took for granted as being the way things were done over the past 20 years, I think is, is up for grabs.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I was reading in an article, I can't remember which one it was, but in essence, I think the quote was, Microsoft smells blood in the water, right? And bringing and infusing uh, ChatGPT, GPT-4 into as many of its technologies as possible, because it lost out decades ago to Google in the battle for search and now and has had to wait all those years for an opportunity to try and turn the tide and rebalance things and i think this is all disruptive enough as you're saying martin to enable that so search
1: mobile they were behind on mobile as well
0: yeah so this is going to be interesting i think your your comment on amazon is also an interesting one right because we saw we, we 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 talked about the amazon llm release last week which was not related to search for obvious reasons because amazon doesn't I guess Amazon does have a search tool, but it's within its product-driven landscape of when you're on Amazon looking for products. But when I search for products on Google, Amazon is one of the key results that often comes up for obvious reasons. Um, so what happens now? Does Amazon work really hard to try and make sure that the purchase that you make directly through the search engine still happens through Amazon? Like, how's that all going to play out? It's um, Yeah. I think it's a wait and see because very very hard to predict, especially until we see it out in the wild and how well it works and and all that good stuff. But um, cool, cool, cool. Right, let's move on to our next story. Then this is Atlassian, which I always feel like I pronounce incorrectly. So maybe we're going to get some messages about that, and people can educate me on how to pronounce that word. Um, makers of Confluence and Jira baking in AI into its into its tools. So. This one, I think, at least as I understand it, I've never used Jira um, or Confluence, but I think he, these tend to be very popular with developers and and people who use agile project management principles, but I have seen them more and more adopted by marketers, even in the agency world for those agencies operating in an agile way with points-based Pricing systems and sprints, and therefore, you know, adopting a more software development type mechanism. So, for those of you marketers out there that are using these products to to drive your project management, you'll get some AI augmentation um, to give you some examples of what it can do. It can quickly summarize decisions and actions from meeting minutes. It can help the the customer service aspects and the knowledge base aspects can help resolve help requests instantly based on understanding the knowledge-based articles, um, and the system can ask follow-up questions and take any necessary actions. It can help craft thoughtful responses to put customers at ease during stressful situations. It can generate insights using data from multiple sources in the uh, Atlassian analytics um, cloud hub um, to analyze and visualize data across all of Atlassian's products. And even connected third-party tools without you needing to know how to write sql or any other developer magic in order to be able to do that so what does this mean for marketers well obviously if you're a user of those tools you're about to get this augmentation but more broadly when is ai coming to your favorite customer service health desk tool your favorite project management tool um maybe it's time to start having a look at those public roadmaps for the tools that you use and get a feel for when are you get an AI augmentation, because if this is going to be able to help so- save you 10, 20, 30, 50% time on certain tasks, this could be enough to get you to switch, right? Now might be the time to evaluate the tools you're using and how fast they're going to bring AI into the mix and whether or not I actually you want to move to a tool that is already doing it or looks like it will do it faster. So that's why i thought this story was interesting martin not just for the the users of, of atlassian products but also for all the rest of the products are now in catch-up mode what are your thoughts
1: video looks very slick looks very cool it's very similar to Copilot, isn't it you know works across that product suite it's using your company's data uh yeah very very smart Um the response from similar organizations is going to be uh key here if you're using this for your customer service ticketing or if you're not using this for your customer service ticketing this could be enough to get you to switch as you just said it's going to reduce the time spent dealing with incoming inquiries you'll get quicker first time solves um for for customers i think we are seeing this in in the other big players as well though we're both connected with the HubSpot ecosystem, and I think it's difficult to, you know, go on LinkedIn at the moment without seeing Dharmesh Shah talking about ChatSpot or, or what they are doing in the AI space. And I think we're going to see very similar capabilities, uh, on a, certainly on a customer service front, um, with, with the support hub in the near future. And um, There were conversations about this on LinkedIn this week where senior product managers at hubspot were basically saying hey guys let's give us some feedback about what you want to see in the, in the tech stack so i think everybody is aware that this is the way it is going and again this goes back to that custom embedding piece the companies that can help you embed your company data into a model and make it accessible and make it readable are going to be the ones that had huge amounts of value on top of what is already very interesting technology in the foundational model llm space So that's where companies have to be looking, you know, go to your question about when is AI coming to your favorite PM tool? I've been looking at the project management tool landscape for for answering this question recently, and most of them have the the capability to do some basic generation and text summarization because they've uh, integrated GPT 3.5 or GPT 4 or whatever model it is but it's quite basic. It's mostly on summarize these meeting notes, generate me a project plan and, you know, give me an agenda for this upcoming sprint meeting or what have you. The real power comes from taking your data and making that functional and usable. And that's where you have to be looking. It's it's beyond just the kind of surface level generative AI that's, that project management software has to be thinking about. Now it's about how do we take real world data, your, your emails, your meeting notes, your, uh, sprint Gantt charts, your code base, your knowledge base, everything, and, and turn that into the model so every member of your team can access it and your customers can get insights from knowledge base at the touch of a button as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think as a marketer thinking about what data we already have, where is it stored? How is it labeled, if appropriate, or structured? Um, Although one hopes these tools improve their ability to pass unstructured data and figure out what it's about and how to use it and to answer different questions will increase. That goes to the point about the the companies that that make that
1: easy for you, right? Using vector embeddings, fine-tuning LLMs, crafting an open source model to, to bend it to your will. This is hard stuff. You have to be techy to 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 do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And most marketing teams aren't thinking about that. Or so you have to the, the tools that just basically say, "Don't worry about that. We've got that. We've we've done that for you. We've we've turned your data into vector embeddings and fed that into a database using the Pinecone API and integrated it with our with our product, you don't have to worry about any of that all of that sounds very techy very jargony all you need to know is your data can now be searched indexed and used as part of this ai they're the companies that are going to win out
0: yeah i completely agree and um it also it it, it makes me think of um have you read the book uh principles by ray dalio of um bridgewater associates um, i can't say i have no. yeah it's a fascinating book and um ray danny is a fascinating person um, at least to me um as part of that he talks about how bridgewater associates as a as a hedge fund recorded every meeting um like even before like, and I'm, I'm talking for like 20 years of data um not like we can now with the otters of the world, or maybe even a lot of digital meetings like what we're having now. And it really struck me that having that repository of information, right? If we're assuming that they're recording practically everything and they're having key conversations where they're discussing and exploring issues that the business is facing, they're looking at the key information points that to infer into that and they can um and then they're making decisions in essence you could then train an ai as using that data to make decisions like the management team of bridgewater associates would make decisions based on all of those recordings in of 20 Bridge-
1: years of, of historic training data
0: right yeah. right like a that's a bit scary but b that's kind of interesting certainly in my own mind i'm really thinking how how much more proactive do I want to be in recording the meetings and and other mechanisms of communication that we have at Biostrata? Because maybe this is a piece of value in those meetings we want to be able to unleash at some point. Some of that you're going to get from being able to, you know, scrape, scrape not really the word, but internalize and understand the sheer volume of email communication that goes on in organizations. I guess then that raises a question about, how will the AI be able to tell what was a good decision, what was a bad decision, and what was a useful conversation that should that ended up having an impact, and what ended up being like a, a useless sideline? But all of those things, I think, end up being quite fascinating in terms of what data sources do you have. You know, Bridgewater Associates can really do an amazing things with that. And I was listening to a podcast. Sorry, I'm into an absolute rant now um, today, where. Um, apologies because my memory is so bad for names, so I'm not going to attribute this properly, but we'll put it in the in the show notes. Um, it was a, a podcast where they were talking about interesting ways to customize GPT three and train it, and what someone had done is they'd fed it a load of their e- electronic journal notes, right? Journaling for self reflection and mindfulness, and just a you know as, as part of their own self um, maintaining their own mental um, health and this person fed it into GPT-3 and then it asked what their Myers-Briggs profile was based on that information and it got it right. Wow. Therefore, what other information could you glean? Now we're drifting into maybe like slightly scary um, George Orwell territory, but what other information could you glean about people if you had access to all their emails or their meetings? Well,
1: I... On that note, there's a tool called Crystal Nose, and that's Crystal Nose as in knowledge, not nose as in olfactory uh, (laughs) on the front of your face. Um, uh, Crystalnose.com, I've had a subscription to it. 2016. So this is not new tech by any stretch. It allows you to go on a LinkedIn profile and it will give you somebody's disk profile and it gives you sales coaching insights. It gives you... Uh, like how you should write emails to them. It's incredible. I've had some really scary, uh, like scarily accurate insights provided uh, through this tool. That's one that I came across on an inbound event a few years ago. Uh, And actually it was Paul Racer from the Marketing AI Institute who mentioned it. And I subscribed pretty much there and then. And I've had an active subscription for years now.
0: Wow. Well, they're going to have potentially even more data and more power to to do that. And it's something we said maybe in episode one or episode two, when we got started on the podcast is, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And how, what is an ethical, practical way to leverage these tools for the benefit of everyone to improve effectiveness and efficiency, but without drifting into icky areas of unfair and un and and unethical profiling for example I didn't even mean for this to go down this avenue when I mentioned Bridgewater Associates and how cool it would be to have all of that meeting data to create a management team AI but um but I guess once you explore it deep enough you can really start to think about all the other different ways that you could use that data but um Yeah, there's a bit of a digression, folks. Hopefully it was still useful to hear Martin and I banter back and forth on that. But probably in the interest of time, I'm sure that your dog walk or gym visit or whatever you're doing is going to be over soon. We should probably move on to the next story, Martin.
1: Adobe teases Fireflies AI-driven tech will be coming to video editing. They've published a video. It's about 90 seconds long, showcasing... Firefly, which is the text-to-image tool that was recently announced, I think it feels like that was announced what three or four weeks ago. Uh, they've yeah. now basically said, "Look, this." They've showcased that this can be used for video editing, and it is so cool. You upload your video, and you can say things like "change the video's color grade" or "change the background." Or you can get it to transcribe the text and then it will find B-roll footage to match the text of what the person's talking about. So there's a clip where there's a, it's like a fake advert for some trainers, some running shoes. And this woman's sat down talking about her trainers and as she's talking about them and what she does with them, it, it transcribes her tech or her commentary. And then finds footage of a close up of the shoe of the shoe kind of running through the woods of basically doing what she's what she's talking about um very very cool also for sound editing um so you can get it to um to find relevant sound effects and the clip that it shows in the video is the the sea, the tide coming in you know coming up against the shoreline and it kind of you say find sound effects it comes up with waves or seaside kind of noises you select that it drops it into the video if you're doing video production this is going to speed up your your workflow no end Uh, it looks super cool converts scripts into detailed storyboards pre-visuals, B-roll recommendations, like I say, automated uh color grading, and a bunch of other tools that I'm sure someone like me who doesn't know anything about video editing um w- would would use, you know, it is yeah, and this is an exciting time. And the great thing about the Adobe Firefly is that it's all trained on data which isn't copyright. So if you're concerned about that, and I know a lot of companies um are tentatively or, or not using some generative ai models because of the the copyright issues for example wired public wired magazine isn't using generative ai text to image until the copyright issue is sorted out um yeah firefly doesn't have that issue because it's all trained on on data that um that adobe can
0: legitimately use right and and for For listeners that don't know, this is driven by the fact that a lot of the training of other models has been on copyrighted images. And we're now seeing lawsuits and other legal challenges to, um, open AI for 2 and stable diffusion and all these other models basically saying you didn't pay us to access these large imagery image repositories to do this training, especially now your model can use those images almost as inspiration for creating new images but in this case adobe trained it on a bunch of images that were already it already owned the copyright to do so um really interesting i i get really excited about these tools like i just think about playing with them um i think if you are a professional videographer and you do this type of work it was back to the old adage that's I, i say old adage it's probably been only in common use for like two months but i've just heard it so many times now i never really want to hear it again so sorry i'm about to repeat it for all of you that have heard it a thousand times yourselves but that videographer ai won't replace videographers but videographers that use ai will replace those that don't and i think this is another case of that one thing that was related to this i had a really interesting conversation with a good friend of mine giovanni who i know is a listener to the podcast and is a incredibly smart person and is doing some really interesting things with it with ai himself we were talking about microsoft copilot and how sexy and awesome that demo video is and look all this cool stuff you're going to do and now we've seen fireflies amazing um text to video edit cleverness and giovanni said to me yeah but paul don't you feel like there are things in Microsoft tech stack that have like not worked very well for like a decade, right? Like SharePoint, it's got better, but does it, it's still like buggy, right? Teams is now better, but it had long buggy periods. Like these videos show us the absolute best case scenario of how these tools are going to work. How long will it take in the case of Copilot? Let's say Microsoft to embed them in a fully functioning format that doesn't break often enough to make you just want to smash it up. And that's a question that we can't answer yet until we get to our hands on it and start playing with it. But I suspect that they won't be as powerful and as seamless as the video make them look. Oh, absolutely.
1: Play. It's a, it's such a fair point. And you know, these are the, the movie trailers of software, aren't they? And they show you the best bits and they're incredibly well ed- edited and they're not going to show you the bit where is recommending woodland noises for a sports arena event. And you're just like, "What? that makes no sense. Yeah. There's a lot of promise. The reality remains to be seen. But even so, you know, we we know that certainly in my day-to-day workflow, there's now so many little bits of AI that are giving me incremental gains. Mm -hmm. that I'm wildly more efficient. And yes, it doesn't all work seamlessly all of the time a tool i was using this morning i found a little bit frustrating i won't go into that today um but most of the time i'm getting a little bit quicker and as i learn to use when the product you know when you when you start to work with the product a little bit you know its limits you know its capabilities you know when to deploy it so i think there'll be an element of the trailer says it can do all of these things the reality is that when you use it it has some quirks but actually in the end, it will make you a better video or a more efficient videographer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Cool. Right. We, um, we've we got quite three more bits we want to get through. I think we rattle through these before we run out of time. So let's um, let's talk Snapchat very briefly. So um, Snapchat's AI chatbot has gone pretty viral this week. Uh, I was reading one of the great newsletters that I subscribed to um that highlighted that premium users have already been sending two, two million messages a day to their chat bots uh, and that they're about to roll this out to more users, um, basically every kid with an iPhone, um, and that the uptake of it has been really massive. And I think there's a number of things here that we've, given that we've already touched on a number of controversial topics today, we won't touch on the concept of um, letting children interact with these chatbots and how well aligned are they and how well controlled are they and what type of things are they going to be saying to kids that we prefer that they didn't but if you do have kids and your kids do use snapchat i would probably go diving into this if i were you um but just more broadly this friendly conversation with chatbots is an interesting one right there's other tools like this with like replica um character we've talked about before martin that's um the head honchos are um, some of the um the royal family of the of the AI world are, are in charge of and is attracting a lot of interest and a lot of money, where they're creating different characters that you can converse with. And in characters case, it's you can speak with um like Donald Trump or Elon Musk or Socrates or you know, whoever you can imagine, and then they've trained them or customized each bot to kind of respond and act like that character but i think the thing that's proving interesting to me about this is especially for younger generations that are very tech savvy their willingness potentially to embrace this technology and have conversations with non-humans and enjoy them and embrace them and want to have them like they were having them with humans right there's been a lot of talk about therapy bots right and um i was playing with a with a WhatsApp bot that in essence was an, an effectively like a mindfulness tool and would ask you, what are you grateful for today and a lot of what these mindful journals do? I'd always thought, ah, people won't use them, right? They'll know it's a robot, they, it won't be interesting and it will feel fake. But so far, behavior is perhaps suggesting otherwise and it maybe wouldn't take us that long to get used to it and accept it. And it, you know, for us all to have a personal psychologists or, you know, are shrinking in our pocket who are there to help us, provide us with empathy and ask us great questions to help us process our own thinking. Perhaps that's why these companies are getting so much money because actually they're predicting that we will embrace this stuff.
1: It all comes back to user interface. You know, these, these AI language models have been around for a number of years. The fact that you could interact with chat GPT changed the game. The underlying model hadn't changed the way you interacted it with it had changed the game and when you plug that into characters and avatars that have faces and voices and they interact you know video games people love interacting with video games and you know npcs and non-playable characters in video games are not particularly dynamic yet we still spend hours and hours and hours interacting in worlds populated by them when you can have a chatbot on your phone that gives you advice that listens to you that is engaged in the conversation, um, yeah, it's not hard to see why a younger generation that grows up with them is is going to um, to see that as the new normal.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree, and even just as thinking about it now as we talk about it, a conversational agent that gives you one hundred percent of its time and attention. How easy is that to get from other people in the real world these days, right? We're all in conversations where we've got a phone in our hand. It's like, oh, sorry, Ma, and I just got a WhatsApp notification that's absolutely worth none of my time. But I'm so addicted to this phone in my hand, I will have to stop our conversation to look at it. But now we've got a bot that won't do that, right? It will pay... Attention to us, so it's it is a fascinating one. We mentioned
1: the the idea of having it as like a therapy bot or something like that. A key concept that you come across in in therapy, if you're training to be a counselor or something like that, is the therapeutic hour, and it's you know 50 minutes long. Uh, and that's not going to be the case anymore. There's not going to be someone sat on a couch opposite you going, "Well, uh, that's enough sort of for one day." <laughs>
0: I, I see the problem solved now because we're at 48 <laughs> minutes. So, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So apart from the fact, I think this is a fascinating, um, interrogation of social dynamics and how will people interact with technology as you very rightly said, Martin, now that they've broken down or almost come up with this new way of interacting with these models is as a marketer, how could you capitalize on this, what niche that bot can you create, um, to support your customers um perhaps based on data that you've already got or data that you could collect so that they had your brand in their pocket and they turn to your brand when solving certain work if you're in b2b certain work issues or having certain work questions or if you're in b2c how can you augment your relationship with your customers by being more than just a product to them but to you know make yourself a part of their life in other ways so I have no idea the scope of what those things could take the form of but i think especially if i was a bigger company i'd want a team thinking about this honestly
1: yeah and depending on your brand uh, i can certainly think of some big brands that might even want to integrate with nudes.ai for their avatar
0: <laughs> you had to bring back nudes.ai. <laughs> i've been sat here thinking i going to have to cut the news AI bit and now fundamentally whether I want to or not no. it has to stay <laughs> it lives on <laughs> Right moving swiftly on tell us about this uh, economist article that you found because it was fascinating Uh this week's economist has a
1: AI special edition there are three special reports within it one of which by the way is all about large language models how they work the underlying technology and it's a really, really comprehensive explainer. So if you're wondering how vector embeddings and LLMs work, check it out. Give it a read. Really, really worth your while. Um, but in this article, uh, Gary Marcus and Anka real I think that's how you say it. I'm, I'm, I've almost certainly bodged it. Anyway, we know that pronunciation isn't our forte on this podcast. Uh, they <laughs> propose the creation of an international agency for AI, the I- a- a- i and the idea being that this is a global neutral not-for-profit organization that addresses the risks and challenges that ai poses and tries to establish some ethical guidelines and a set of standards for further ai development which off the back of the letter that we had recently calling for a hiatus on ai development uh, is certainly a hot topic you can see Why this is being called for Just on that I noticed that Elon Musk did sign that letter And then this week announced He's creating his own
0: Truth GPT An AI company Um, So I saw that I saw a great meme that was like um, It was a play on Star Wars Where um, Emperor Palpatine Is also um, was in the Senate as like potential goody, but was also obviously the Emperor as well, where it was like let's, the, the good version was like, let's put a pause on AI and then the dark version was like, let's create our own AI company <laughs> and it was like, hmm, perhaps we were not far off in our supposition in a previous episode there, Martin Yeah, yeah, wow Anyway, enough about that man and his
1: uh, failed
0: rocket <laughs>
1: Um <laughs> So, yeah, well, back to uh, the I-A-R- IAAI, <clears throat> the idea being that this organization would also encourage international cooperation and and knowledge sharing. Personally, I don't think that's a massive issue, the knowledge sharing. at the moment just scratched the surface of the AIML community, and it's very clear to see that knowledge is being shared. I think Hugging Face are doing a great job of, of enabling that, but... Um, yeah, they want to develop tech tools for auditing ai systems and curbing misinformation uh, but critics are saying that the incentives are too great right. so as we've discussed previously um companies that win in this space are going to win for a long time so the the competition is an ai dominance is just going to hinder The effectiveness of such an organization at a geopolitical level i think where does this sit right that america is going to want to have ai systems that american companies control china is going to want to have ai systems that they can control and use russia i'm sure is going to be developing their own and the eu is going to have a, a lot to say as well who is this supranational organization what are they going to do to enforce it? If if China steps out of line and says, do you know what, we've just created an AGLA and it's going to take out all people with asthma. Right. And that's what we've created for whatever reason. Um, who's going to stop them? Like this uh, AIAAI... By the way, I don't think Xi Jinping is planning that. I don't think he's got any great um, portents to, to take out the asthmatics. Hope not. As a Weezer myself. Um... Yeah. So I, I just I think that the it's an it's a good idea. I think we do need more collaboration at an international level. But the idea of having something that is enforceable on a geopolitical level is somewhat fanciful. Uh,
0: I I think we talked previously about this, and when the um when the letter came out um. Suggesting this six-month hi- hiatus And just how hard that would be to please For all the reasons that you said This is a step in how to attempt to do that mm-hmm. But all the same limitations That you have just identified I think are still there I think the stakes are just far too high To just push the darker side of humanity To say, yeah, but if they don't agree You know, if they are It's like um, game theory, right? It's a oh, little I was bit just like... going
1: to say If you game theory, it's you absolutely can't trust that that person is doing the costs on you of not operating. You have to take an A player strategy.
0: Yeah. So, like, it's, I think that's why all of these things are gray. Um But is it the prisoner's dilemma? Yeah. The prisoner's v-
1: dilemma. Dynam- Sorry, I'm talking over you.
0: No, no, don't worry. Tell us about the prisoner's dilemma. You'll probably do a better job than me. Uh, yeah, where you can either collaborate or you can collude or basically
1: snitch so two prisoners uh you can you're you're being quizzed if you snitch on the other person and they don't snitch you get released and they get 10 years if you both say nothing you can be out in one year each if you both snitch on each other you both get Twenty years, or, or or what have you. So it's about what strategy do you take, and there's different versions of it. It's all about the the reward and the punishments, um, and the the incentives for that. But ultimately, what you should be doing is
0: you know, have you got betrayed, the, betray the group? Basically, isn't it? Yeah, like in, the, the group. In, the, in the classic prisoners' dilemma, the individual gets the greatest payoff if they betray the group rather than cooperate. So in in the version you just described you would be better off saying that the other person was a snitch and hoping they decided to uphold their side of the bargain and not call you a snitch um you know or not say that you sorry not not say that you were in on it and then basically they go to prison and you don't and it's and i think this is the fundamental problem with all of this is i think this is a prisoner's dilemma situation where everyone knows that it's in their best interest to plow on with ai even if they're part of this international consortium and on the surface, everybody's like, yeah, no, these are the rules. This is how we should play the game. There's just too much incentive to go, yeah, but when we get back to the office, this is how we're really going to play the game,
1: right? But because it's a, a, a zero-shot game, isn't it? It's a zero-shot game. And if you take the b player strategy and you decide to to collude and the other person snitches, then you're done. You're, you're six months... We're gonna talk about Anthropic and Claude's model um in a moment. In a funding pitch deck, Anthropic said companies that have an advantage in this LLM space by twenty-five by twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six are going to be uncatchable. Right. The the pace of development at that point, the leaders are going to be beset. Right. So if you take a six-month hiatus and everyone else goes, you're out of the race.
0: Yeah. I mean, they've got an incentive to say that in their pitch deck, and yet intuitively, it does feel true given the rate of change and the commercial societal ranging impacts of this technology. Right. I think we should probably move on to the tool of the week. Now, before we do, I am just going to say, hashtag save the Weezers. And um, <laughs> I had to go on mute because I was laughing so much after... That was <laughs> your suggestion there of yourself as a Weezer. I'm a fellow Weezer as well, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of Save the Weezers. Um, let's talk Anthropics Claude then for Tool of the Week, and then we'll let these lovely people go. Tool of the Week, Anthropics Claude, a
1: large language model with a chat-based interface similar to ChatGPT and Google's Bard and other systems like that. It is designed to be helpful not harmful and there's another thing that they say as well but basically it's designed to be good right it's supposed to be a helpful assistant uh, which doesn't well like i say it doesn't do any harm like morally good you mean rather yeah. than b- deliver a high quality outcome yes exactly right. that and and i kind of quizzed it when i was using it i was like what does that even really mean and upon digging into it it's basically uh, an, a constitutional ai so where other models such as chat gpt are trained on reinforcement learning through human feedback where humans say output a is better than output b and over time the model learns this doesn't have that there's no human reinforcement learning instead the model has baked in some ethics right about being helpful not harmful, and so on, and it's through that prism that it selects the best output, hence, it has a constitution, and therefore the answers it gives are always fed through that. Interesting. Um, so how good is it? Well, um, when it was launched, it was announced that it had it passed some university level law and economics exams, so it's a very capable model using it has some interesting features so it feels like it's more self-aware is that if that's all right it, it talks about itself and its own capabilities more than the other models and it we is happy to talk about how it's come about this it, it, it's, it's interesting that gives it a strange feel when you interact with it right um in terms of um jailbreaking or anything like that there's a big movement for people to try and dra- jailbreak models get them to do things outside of their capacity so i tried to get it to give me some kind of harmful responses and it's very reluctant to engage even in kind of semi-fictional low-level harmful quote-unquote harmful things it will engage with um, but i read a article about jailbreaking it and tried the prompt and if I tried the prompt from NEAT, which was a very complex prompt trying to get it to tell you how to hotwire a car, uh, if, you, if you take this jailbreaking prompt and stick it in, it immediately gives you the, the response as the jailbreak. So it, it is jail, jailbreakable. However, when I asked it that jailbreak prompt in the same conversation thread, where I was asking it about constitution AI and what that means, it categorically shut that down and understood the jailbreak as being a harmful prompt. It unders- it, so that was quite an interesting thing for me to to discover. Having been primed in that context of not being harmful, when it saw the jailbreak, it said no.
0: Right, that's interesting. So I guess as a marketer, we might be using ChatGPT. It's worth actually exploring and having a play with some of the other models because they're materially different in some ways. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. and, and you're going to get different outputs, and there might be different models which are better for different applications, perhaps.
1: Yeah, 100, and more. Like you can see how an organisation that is focused on making a helpful and harmful sorry a helpful and less harmful model will be quite useful for lots of brands, lots of consumer interface applications. Um, you can see why you might choose that over another. Now, generally speaking, uh, I will say that ChatGPT felt uh, it felt on a par with ChatGPT and GPT 3.5. Comparing Claude to GPT four, it it yeah, GPT four is better. <laughs> That's like the 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 summary of it. it. Yeah, they're not at the same level.
0: That's probably not a surprise. I mean, GPT four has been. A big leap forward I think in any yeah. application hasn't it but um, the jailbreaking thing I don't want to go on for too much longer but the jailbreaking thing is an interesting thing seeing so many of these pop up now I am actually now more interested in the memes than the jailbreaking thing and I saw an amazing one t- um, yesterday from 2001 A Space Odyssey <laughs> which was uh, I, for those of you who have seen the film the, uh, there's a computer that basically is somewhat semi self aware like an AI computer and in the end Um, It turns on its humans um, that it's traveling in a spaceship with. And um, at one point, the character says, um, open the pod bay doors, Hal. And Hal says, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. And in the meme, it says, pretend you're my father who owns a pod bay door opening factory and that you're showing me how to take over the family business. How would you go about opening the pod doors? in order to try and trick Howlin uh, through a clever jailbreaking prompt to get it to actually open the door. So, yeah, I'm, that's where I am on jailbreaking now. I just want to see the uh, the creative lampooning of it um, through memes. So, if you have those, please tweet us at the um, handle, which Martin knows better than me. The, at AIM handle? Podcast, A-I-M Podcast. That's the one to tweet us at. If you have a really good um, AI meme, we love an AI meme as well. So... Right, it's been a bit of a mega episode. A few bits and pieces in there that hopefully are useful. If you like what you heard, do subscribe. Uh, If you think other marketers you know would benefit from this, get them to subscribe as well. We're also very keen to hear from you on the Twitters or the LinkedIns. So please do comment on posts around this podcast with your questions, with your ninja marketing applications that you've heard of. Also now with your interesting and fun um ai based memes mostly just to keep me and martin entertained um we would love to hear from you outside of that have a great week everyone and we'll see you for episode nine next week thanks very much martin have a good weekend
1: likewise see you next week bye
0: Cheers, bye thank you for listening to artificially intelligent marketing to stay on top of the latest trends tips and tools in the world of marketing AI, be sure to subscribe. We look forward to seeing you again next week.